You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Hot Take Hotbox, Joel Embiid's world. We are indeed just living in it. it. What a time to be alive. What a time to be a Sixers fan. This series, this playoffs, this these first three games could not have gone any better than we could have possibly imagined. We will get into all of it from start to finish of all three games. We'll talk about the remaining, you know, hopefully game that is left here in this series. And, uh, you know, I'm not looking forward yet, but... It does look like we might wind up uh, getting into a little bit of a uh, second-round matchup with Miami if they are able to take care of business against the Atlanta Hawks. So we have that. The Phillies have, uh, before the weekend before the uh, Miami series, I was talking about winning three or four. Joe Giulio was right. We lost three or four, and, and we are now in in free fall mode for the most part after you know. Well, yesterday we did score nine runs and, and uh, salvage a you know save ourselves from a sweep situation uh, in Colorado, but we will get into all that. Eagles as well. Draft is one week away. I, I thought it was going to be today. I thought the draft was today, but wrong again. Uh, shout out to the Hot Take Hot Box. My name is Matt McSweeney again. The Sixers are up 3-0 on the Toronto Raptors in a series where I picked them to win in six. It looks like I have, may have way overshot the uh, estimate here, and I don't. I honestly don't even know where to begin. I, I guess I, I should just start by saying that the this Sixers team so far has it, it, the discussion before of how they were just going to turn it on come the playoffs and they were going to start taking it serious. I guess and, and play like a completely different team was indeed true because they, they have totally looked like a just a, a completely reshaped team, a, a team that has a goal, a purpose every single time down the floor, knows what they want to do. They're not way I mean, last night was a little different. That was kind of a regression toward back towards the bad parts of their game, the turnovers, the uh, late shot clock uh, attempts, and just burning a lot of time that doesn't necessarily need to be burned, not getting into their offense quick or early in possessions. It, it, that's what kind of causes a lot of those turnovers and a lot of those bad shots, but the Sixers, you know, were able to outlast all that. Harden fouled out last night. They had, like I said, twenty-five turnovers. They were getting fouls left and right. The foul, the the referees were horrific in the first half. For I'll give them that because in the second half they kind of came back to earth and started to give Harden and Embiid the calls that they rightfully deserve. In the first half, Harden was getting slammed to the floor and they weren't calling anything. I know he's a flopper, but you know, foul is a foul. First game was a dominant performance, 131-111. Maxie had 38 in a third quarter where he went absolutely bonkers. 
Tobias had 26, Harden had 22, Embiid had 19. You're not going to beat the Sixers when they play like that. Uh, Scotty Barnes gets hurt, still hasn't played since that night. Uh, that was just a killer, a killer, killer night and killer blow for the uh, Raptors. We dominate again in Game 2 on Monday night. Embiid has 31 and 11. Harden 14, 6 and 6. Didn't even need to uh, produce or participate, basically. Harris had 20 and 10, who I can't say enough how crucial and clutch and just um, how much of a key player Tobias Harris has been in this playoff so far. And just in these first three games, he has been tremendously important. Rebounding, uh, just IQ, veteran leadership sort of out there on the floor, getting rebounds and just taking it himself down the length of the floor, going and getting layups, getting easy buckets, making his threes, doing whatever they need him to do. Kind of doing like the Draymond sort of role where it's like, you know, one night you're playing kind of point guard and doing that. And, you know, I know Tobias, they're not the same player, completely different, but I'm just saying kind of a whatever it takes mentality from Tobias Harris is one of the reasons why we will have success in this playoffs if that continues and keeps up. Maxie had 23, uh, you know, almost had a triple-double in that game. It was another just dominant performance by the Sixers. They Another game where they the Raptors had no business. So this game three was the the, the sort of the pivotal game of the series where maybe they were going to be able to take back home court. No, no uh, Matisse Thibel. The refs were refing a certain way. There was turnovers. Uh, Embiid had five points at halftime. Was kind of letting letting it uh, the moment get the best of them. Had like five turnovers in the first quarter, essentially. It, it was just not looking good. Somebody who uh, helped uh, what's it called? I'm looking for the word steer steer the ship in the right direction and kind of get us back on course. James Harden. James Harden was incredible last night, from beginning to end. When he eventually was taken out of the game, he controlled the offense magnificently man like it, it was it was a sight to see it was like the a vintage James Harden that we, that we got to see last night I, I I I was I was couldn't stop praising the guy all, all over he what he, he was getting matchups that he wanted and he was attacking them he was finding guys in the corner he's finding the Danny Greens and the and the Tobias Harris's and, and the George Niang's he was just doing again whatever needed to be done 19 and 10 7 to 13 you know I at above 50% from the field, I'll take that. I don't need you to... You're not going to need to score 30 points a game. Not when you have Joel Embiid. Not when you have a Tyrese Maxey who can take the ball and go to the rack at any moment and burst by the defense and finish with either hand. It's it's just we have a deep starting lineup of guys who are able to get their own shot or just do different things on the team. Danny Green's playing 46 minutes, you know, and these aren't bad 46 minutes where you're you're just you can't believe he's out there or he's killing you. So I think it'll be huge when in the next series we can, you know, get to, um, Matisse Thibel out there. He can sort of do more of his defensive shit and kind of hold or at least just not even any of that. Just spell some time for Danny Green to maybe be a little bit more fresh towards the end of the game. Maybe he can make some more of them threes. Three or seven. I'll take that, you know. But Embiid with an incredible second half. Incredible second half. Just dominant all over the floor. Making threes. Getting the ball at the elbow and attacking Precious Achua. Attacking uh, Cam Birch. Just whoever they were putting in front of him. Boucher. No one can guard him. Siakam is nothing. 
is literally a fly on the windshield compared to him. Siakam had 12 points, 6 of 16. That not I could not be less impressed by a supposed top 30 or whatever the number is that they try to put him or they try to conflate him with other guys in the NBA. He's not that. It was just a. I guess that just bothered me a little bit when there was like somewhat of a minor conversation about like he's going to be able to guard Embiid. On no universe will he be able to guard Embiid without them just not blowing the whistle. That that's essentially the only thing that can stop Embiid is you fouling him and them not calling it. He he was he was unguardable in the second half last night, unguardable. And then they they go zone. It, it messed the Sixers up for a little bit, but then they were able to just attack it and and make quick decisions and move the ball quickly throughout the zone. Put Niang in the game, and that, that's when guys like Niang are coming clutch. He's not he, obviously in this series. He's not been able to play as much as he was sort. You know, I guess towards the end of the year. 22 minutes is still a lot, but he was playing more last night, I feel like, than he did in the, those previous games. It looks like he played 9 minutes in Game 2 and 16 in Game 3. So, uh, you, as you can see, it's like uh, that's the one thing I will give I will give Mr. Mr. Glenn Rivers some credit, man. He has coached very well this series. Very well. He's, in some ways, outcoached Nick Nurse who's the only form of coaching now is just complaining to the refs and arguing with Joel Embiid on the sidelines. That's that's it. Uh, and Doc draws up an inc- like, you know, a, a, just an incredible look to get Joel open at, right on the sidelines. They take Van Vliet off the ball, which w- looking at it now is a mistake because he probably would have been able to make that pass a little bit more difficult on that final play. But just a splashdown, uh, just, uh, uh, I mean, picturesque, to make things right and just in the world, Joel Embiid splashes a fade, like a sort of fadeaway three in the on the elbow, to give the Sixers a three zero lead here against the Toronto Raptors. And I, I, I just you know you can't help but go back to the days of 2014, 15, 16 when he was out for years at a time. We were ten and seventy two. And I would argue with anyone who would listen to me, I, I started to sound like a, a, a crazy person who was saying, this guy's going to be incredible. You just have to wait for him. Give him time. He's not going to be a bust. He's not going to be Greg Oden. He's not going to be all these different. He's not Sam Bowie. He's not these guys that you want to put these awful claims on. He is not a stiff. He will be an incredible player. And none of us ever could have imagined how good he was going to turn out to be. He has turned into an absolute murderer. He is a killer out there on the basketball floor. You cannot do anything to stop him. And it's, like I said, fouling him is the only option. The only option because he can shoot from wherever on the floor. He does not have to put the ball on the floor, and he will if he wants to. He'll do whatever the fuck he wants out there. And the only person that can stop him is himself. And last night, some double teams in the first half that he took a little bit to adjust to. Crowd chant, fuck you. It was a little, it was a little much. Old Embiid would have kind of... Gave us an, an, you know, like a first game sort of performance where, you know, 15 points, bunch of turnovers, uh, shooting 5 of 17, 5 of 19, something where just an inefficient, uh, brutal game from him that you've seen in the past in those playoffs. But the one thing about Embiid you can never take away from him, whether he's having a good game on offense or bad, he always brings it on the defensive end. Always. He never, never t- takes a, a possession off when it comes to that for the most part. A uh, big problem I saw last night when they went to zone was just they weren't uh, boxing out. Lots of uh, lots of 
offensive boards for the uh, Raptors, like opening up some Gary Trent Jr. threes and just a lot of easy shit that we need to clean up and that we can't let happen if we're going to continue to advance in this playoffs or, you know, play the Heat. Or it's just like stuff like that is not conducive to winning championships. So we are going to have to clean that shit up. And we will move forward. So now we got a game on Saturday in Toronto against the Raptors. And Monday against the Raptors, if the if necessary, is always a great word. We're at that if necessary uh, part of the of the playoff uh, situation. So let's hope it's not necessary. Let's hope we take care of business on Saturday. We can get uh, maybe Harden and these guys some rest, especially Harden who uh, obviously with the hamstring, I told you he was going to look good coming out of uh, this break that he got, and he has looked good. What would be better than giving him another couple weeks, or not? you know what I mean, a couple extra days of rest and relaxation on that hamstring, have him still be as fresh as possible, and have him look in the way he looked last night because he was awesome, whether the stats dictated or not. If you want to be Elliott Short Parks and look at field goal attempts and all this different nonsense, the, the, the point of the matter is he the Sixers are a better team with James Harden, and James Harden is a better point guard and distributor and facilitator and everything. He is way better of a basketball player than Ben Simmons is, other than athleticism and defense. That's it. That is it. End of story. End of conversation. I don't want to hear about that fucking idiot anymore. All right. 25 is going to play uh, game four, supposedly. And the Nats are down 2-0, which is... Not not a bad. Uh, you you won't see me uh, sh- crying any tears either way that series goes because don't like the Celtics. Really don't like the Nets, but uh, I'd rather see the Celtics in the next round as opposed to the Nets just because of what the I, I either team is not easy. Uh, we and we won't see them in the next round. You know what I mean though. Uh, we we will see either one of those teams in the conference finals because it looks like the Bucks are going to be up against it with Chris Middleton spraining his MCL last night. A lot of uh, developments going on in, in the NBA playoffs right now. So we will continue to keep it moving. Uh, f- I, a final word before I move on uh, is that Joel Embiid is the is the chosen one. He's the prince who is promised. He he's everything we could have ever asked for in a superstar. And why why you he is he's the kind of player that you do tank for, and that things like the process are always will always will and always can be worth it if you can get a player of that caliber uh, of that just status who who takes ownership of of your uh, of everything he he is Philadelphia he understands this is his team he has to you know win lose or draw there's no excuses they have to just figure a way out they have to just do it you can't you know that it doesn't matter it just doesn't matter you know and, and that's what it seems like he was down there clapping had Getting the guys together, like, hey, we, you know, we got, we got to stay in this. We're right in this game, you know. Like he just, he's become such a leader, and, and he has taken such ownership of what's going on here that it's just, I can't, I can't, I can't be any more happy watching these Sixers and be more proud to watch Joel Embiid and call him a Philadelphia 76er and one of the greatest to ever put the jersey on or play in the Wells Fargo Center. It's we, we truly have to take a step back on nights like this or days like this and in between. It when you know, and you just think back from where you came from when we were 10 and 72. You have to just remember how how the road that it took to get here and how lucky we are that we've gotten here and we've earned this. It's just incredible. You just gotta, I I, like every once in a while, it's just take a moment, smell the roses, and just enjoy 
the 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 road and just enjoy the moment because it, it last night was awesome. It was truly an incredible incredible game, and to see us come out in a game where we didn't have the lead until overtime, that we figured out a way to win. That's just what better teams. That's what championship teams do. And you know, I I wasn't really that high on the Sixers going into this round. Now now I'm back to that that skyrocket sort of. I can't wait to see the Heat. I can't wait to see what we match up with. Because they're a good team. They have they're they have a lot of different elements. Bam Adebayo is good. Jimmy Butler is good. Tyler Harrow is good. Kyle Lowry is good. They have good players. We have good players too, though. And I, I want to match up with them, and I want to see where we stack up. And I want to I want to just go mano y mano. And let's see, Butler. Let's see if it was worth it. Let's see if you made the right decision, brother. All right, let's move it to the Phils, who. You know, after starting off two and one, they go three and three in that Mets series, and I came on here and told you that it wasn't going to be like that anymore, and that they were going to turn this around against the Marlins. I was wrong. I was one hundred percent wrong because they they got thorough. They got their ass whooped in Miami, pretty th- pretty thoroughly throughout the whole throughout the whole weekend, other than that Saturday game where they put up a ten spot. But that that is not good. And then they come out and lose the first two against the Rockies. That that Tuesday game being a game where they were up. They had Sir Anthony in. He ha- he was in the seventh inning. They were had a- Charlie Blackman 0-2, two outs. He proceeds to walk one guy, ground ball to Boehm. Then he kind of can't make the play. I don't really fault him for not being able to make that play. But you know, you know, Boehm, Boehm and defense don't exactly go hand in hand. And then CJ Crone comes up and hits a dick missile into the left field. Phillies lose that game. They try to make a comeback, but it was just what you know wasn't enough. And then they, they kind of, the bats uh, come alive finally in Colorado, and, and they put up a nine spot yesterday, which is going to seemingly be the only way the Phillies are going to win. And uh, the offense, you know, it seems like Schwarber broke out of his slump a little bit in Colorado. Uh, we can only hope. Castellanos is hitting the ball a little bit. We'll need more from Bryce. We'll just need more from some of these other guys. But uh, I, I don't really have any sort of sweeping comments on the Phillies or or like oh they're dead oh they're this or that. Harper needs to play better. Uh, I believe Hoskins needs to play better. Obviously Schwarber needs to play better, but he kind of gave us a he showed me signs of life here in this Colorado series with a couple of home runs that were huge. JT has played well. Uh, I mean Camargo had four hits yesterday in that game. Bryson Stott has not been good. Matt Veerling finally hitting the ball after going like 0 for 13 or 14 in the beginning of the season. Alec Bohm has been awesome. He's kind of coming back to earth after hitting 600. He's still at 476 right now. He's just a professional hitter. And I'll be willing to admit if this keeps going that I was wrong about him and that his ability to just... I, I don't even think I, I was necessarily wrong. I always thought he could hit the ball. I just don't know if he fits on this team due to the fact that we don't have a DH spot or a first base spot available because that's what he is. He's a first baseman or he's a DH. I don't I just don't think he's a third baseman. He doesn't have the glove to play third base. He's kind of a, sticks out like a sore thumb there in, on certain nights. Gene also needs to play a little bit better, but he's kind of been banged up. He had a little bit of a shoulder situation going on. After diving for a ball, you could see him stretching it out and whatnot. The pitching has not been great. Uh, the starting pitching, for sure, has not been great. Wheeler has a 9-3 ERA. Gibson's the only guy who's under 4. The rest of them are all in the 5s. None of it's good. None of it's good. Knable's the only guy that hasn't given up a run yet. Brad Hand also has not given up a run. 
But, you know, some of these other guys, uh, you know, six ERA for Chris, Christopher Sanchez, Nick Nelson finally got uh, hit around, uh, Bailey Falter got hit around that, uh, you know, in Miami. It's It was just a bad week. This is just a situation where they need to come together. They, they we, you know, that, that sounds so basic and, and simple and kind of just cliche, but it's early, man. We are 12 games in. Right now, now now we're thirteen games in. Yeah, thirteen games after yesterday. Uh, you can't sit here and tell me that they're dead in the water or that they're going to be the greatest team ever after thirteen games of a hundred and sixty-two game season. We are not even. We haven't even scratched the surface of what's going on here. So, the Phils can't let this slip away. Though you can, you know, you can't win a division in April, but you definitely can lose a division in April by just putting yourself in such a hole that it's kind of impossible to crawl yourself out of. Now, uh, I I don't like the fact that we are, what, five games back of the, of the Mets? Four games back of the Mets? Uh, I'm going to have the official. We're four games back of the Mets, so not a horrible situation, but not a great situation either. And I haven't liked some of what uh, Girardi has done uh, also, but again, it's too early. It's too early. I can't tell you one way or the other who's going to be what or what's going to happen. So it's basically we're riding the wave right now, and the wave is down. It is at the bottom. It is not doing well. But yesterday did give me hope that the offense can kind of break out of this little bit of slump. Maybe the weather starts getting nice around here, and we we start getting up to the 70s, 80s, get to that hitting weather. And and Harper breaks out of this little bit of a funk that he's in. and Maybe the elbow's bothering him, or the elbow is going to be a lingering situation that kind of stays stays with us all year long. He's been DHing a lot, so obviously it is bothering him or it is a thing to kind of worry about. But I'm not going to be too worried right now. I, I just need him to hit better. I need some of these guys to just play better overall, and we will get there. We, we will get there. Uh, I just don't think uh, – you know the, the big thing that um, keeps me positive or, or doesn't let me sink down too low into the depths is the fact that this – this team, like it, you can't, none of these, all of these guys can't play this bad all season long, you know. Especially our starting rotation; those guys will have to, some of them will have to level out. I think you're going to see better from Ranger Suarez. I think you're going to see a little bit better from Aaron Nola. He hasn't been great, but he he's not as bad as he's been. Neither is Wheeler. Wheeler coming off of a Cy Young season is not going to be that. He's not going to be that pitcher all season long. The bullpen is the bullpen, but the and the lineup needs to be the lineup. You know, like I said, Hoskins and Harper need to be better, and I think they will be. So that that gives me the confidence, and that gives me the the peace of mind right now. They just keep watching the games, enjoying the season, and, and just loving baseball because that's that's basically where I'm at right now. I'm still in the uh, this is great. Uh, I love baseball sort of mentality right now. It was not fun watching them get their teeth kicked in by Florida. Uh, or the Miami Marlins, sorry. That's a throwback to all you Florida Marlins fans out there. I know a lot of you left. Shout out to that phone call that I'm receiving right now. But listen, uh, I, yeah, I'm just not, you know, I, it wasn't great. The, the the Rockies games, losing that game on Tuesday was the worst loss of the year so far. And it's not, not early, you know, it's still early on, obviously. But that, that you know, hey, it's not, you didn't have much competition, but it was a bad one. That was a real bad one. Because they were winning, they were. It looked like they were finally turning the corner, and then they just completely collapsed in that inning, blow it. And Familia has been awful. I just want to say that as well. 
Not a not a uh, Jesus Familia guy at all. I, I when he when he comes out of the bullpen, I shudder and I just want to put the towel over my head like Kurt Schilling and want nothing to do with it. So that's that. Let's keep it moving. Uh, Eagles, Eagles. Uh, mo- I just wanted to read a quick mock draft, random mock draft. I'm not going to spend too much time on the birds. I will have we will have a hardcore breakdown of the NFL draft coming up this week. I'll have a draft expert. My, my my draft expert who I have trusted with all sorts of information. He is a, a reputable scout in this area. Nick Mack will be on next week to talk about the just the Eagles and everything everything involving the Eagles. Uh what what they what you know, honestly more about the draft, but we'll talk prospects, we'll talk fills, we'll talk sixers. It'll all be in there next week. So I will have a guest I swear I'll have a guest on next week for all of you who hate my voice and can't stand it. Let's go to a, let's go to an old classic Walter football. Uh, so who anyone who out there loves this mock draft shit, Walter football is is the is the hub. Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker. It seems like this is one of those years where you just don't know who's going to go where. So this is kind of fun to do this because everyone's kind of bouncing around. Sauce Gardner going three, Thibodeau going four, uh, Evan Neal going five, Malik Willis six. We got Derek Stingley going seven. Uh, Ikim Ekunu. Uh, that's the first time I tried to say that guy's name from NC State. Jermaine Johnson, nine. Garrett Wilson, ten. Jamison Williams, eleven. Trent McDuffie, twelve. Houston Texans take Chris Olav, which is not good, thirteen. Charles Cross, offensive tackle. Mississippi State going fourteen. Eagles, here we go. Jordan Davis, perfect. The Eagles need to begin thinking about life without Fletcher Cox, soon to be 32-year-old, signed a one-year deal this spring. This could be the final season in Philadelphia. Jordan Davis was a monster in the 2021 season debut against Clemson. He has continued to dominate this year, and he continued to improve his draft stock with a 4.7840 time. They, they give out other uh, draft possibilities here that George Carla Faltis, um, no thank you, Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle, which I'd rather have Jordan uh, Davis than him. So Kenny Pickett going 16 to the Saints. That's interesting. They, in a trade where we kind of we made the move for him, or we we made that move, uh, you know, giving them that pick and moving back a little bit. So hopefully that doesn't end up being one of those things where we regret it and uh, it's constantly thrown in our face that we could have had Pickett, who turns out to be like the next Tom Brady or something like that. Which I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I don't want that to happen. Eagles in their 18th pick. Shout out to the, the Derek, the Deem Di Maria, who will love this pick. Drake London. Drake London, wide receiver, going 18 to the Eagles. Could the Eagles pull a Matt Millen and draft a wide receiver for the third consecutive year in the first round? Given that Jalen Rager is an absolute bust, geez, uh, it could certainly happen. Philadelphia ran so much last year because it didn't have any talent at wide receiver, and their quarterback isn't that good. Outside of Devontae Smith, that must change. Drake London has mismatched size, and he could be the first receiver off the board. He has drawn comparisons to Mike Evans. Kyle Hamilton is another guy that they have on here, which he's going 20. I would rather pick Kyle Hamilton here as opposed to Drake London, but we do need a wide receiver, so they're going to have to do something there. But I'd rather have uh, I'd rather have Kyle Hamilton. I think he I think he is a prospect who's getting disrespected for almost no reason. I I don't know why he's sinking like this. He's easily the best safety in, in the draft. By all means, give me give me him, please. Maybe we could even trade back up into the first round if that's 
uh, you know, if he's going to sink like a lead balloon or maybe there's a, uh, you know how sometimes that happens where you find out afterwards that his medicals revealed that he has this wrong with him or that, and they're all concerned about it. And then he gets picked and has a, a 10 year career where, you know, that never even comes into question. That's typical NFL. I mean, the honey badger, uh, Tyron Matthew kind of didn't get drafted for round upon round. And then he went and got picked and he wound up having a great career. You know, because what he was smoking some weed or something like that. I, I, it was just you know attitude problems, whatever. The guy's a great player, and, and he's all about winning, and he's always been an uh, asset to whatever team he's ever been a part of. Quickly before we get out of here, I did want to talk about Debo. Debo Samuel is has requested a trade from the 49ers. and in a situation that's not about money. Apparently, it's about the way he's being used. And I think ultimately it does come down to money because he, I don't think he would mind being used the way he is if the money was right or if they were willing to pay him what his val- he thought his value was uh, playing both of those positions because I think everything has a price. But maybe this is a longevity situation. He wants to play as long as possible and he's tired of running in between the tackles and taking those hits. It's an interesting situation to keep in mind. Would I make a deal for him? Absolutely. I, I don't know what the price is or what it, everything is relative and within reason. I, I would absolutely make that deal, uh, and I would pay him pretty much whatever he wants. Debo is still sort of uh, you know in the prime. He's definitely in his prime, but he is a guy who is often hurt though, so you have to keep that in mind. But the Eagles need a weapon. They need 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 a weapon. And I don't care how you get that. Debo's 26. He'll be 27 in January. So still, uh, he still has a lot of good football left in him. Could sign, get him, sign him to a five-year deal. You, you could you could get a, a game-breaking player who can, every time he touches the ball, has the ability to take it to the house, makes dudes miss, runs away from people. Debo is, is one of the top 10 most electrifying. I mean, he's the top five. He's up there. He's the most electrifying player in in, in the game when he gets the football in his hands, uh, next to uh, the Tyree kills of the world and whatnot. So he's up there in that echelon. If you can get your hands on a player like that, you absolutely. You don't. Doesn't matter what the price is for 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 the most part. I mean, you're not trading six first round picks. You know what I mean. Everything is relative. But if you can, within reason, get him, you have to make the salary cap work. Trade whoever you have to trade. Do whatever you got to do, but. I'm all in, and it's easy to say that now. And I, depending on what the price is, uh, I, I, you know, because it seems like he is going to get traded. And it's interesting that this came out like a week before the draft. But hey, we will get into it even more next week on the Hot Take Hot Box. Uh, we'll have Sixers and go Sixers, go Phils. Uh, Eagles draft coming up. There's uh, the world. The, the world is our oyster. Uh, our oyster right now, and. Joel Embiid is a Philadelphia 76er, and he is everything we could have ever asked for. Thank God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you to whatever God you praise out there. Hot Take Hot Box. My name is Matt McSweeney. We'll be back next week. Thank you.